Season two yes. of I Took a Right Turn. I thought he was going to hit that button again. He loves playing I love this the button. button. I should <laughs> never move this machine for him. <laughs> oh, gracious. Okay, so we really do want to uh, give the Bible its fair due yeah. during this recording session. In case you haven't noticed yet, well, you maybe haven't noticed yet since there's only one other segment out there. There we are doing segments. We're uh, segmenting. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to follow the segments. Right. Right. What we're going to do is every every episode, we're going to have some talkity talk about the Bible and talkity talk about other things. You know, and... Uh, a song, one of our originals. Yeah, we're going to do an original song. We'll also read a chapter... Of the Trojan War. America's Trojan War. Yes. So, um, and we just want you to enjoy, but we also want you to learn, because we are those teachers, what can I say? So, uh, and learning the word of the Lord is paramount, as Amen. far as we're concerned. Absolutely. Amen. So here's what I propose. Okay, she's going to propose. <laughs> here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues for the shirt off your back, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. And that goes against the grain. Yeah. You know. But you know uh, what I think is re the real foundation of that whole thing is to not take offense. Don't take offense at what people do. You know. That is hard. That's real hard. You know, but uh, when they talk about Jesus said he was so gentle he wouldn't even put out a candle. Yeah, yeah okay. It, all right. Now, and I'm just going to bring this up because it, it just fits. It, you have that same gentle spirit, Robert. For instance, just this past week, uh, uh, some of the neighbors came into our yard and stole oh, come on. Our mo mo <laughs> the morel mushrooms. That Rosalie's been our waiting for yard. decades yes. to find. <laughs> yes, and someone stole them. And so we happened to see two people out in the backyard, and I'm ready to run out there and say, what are you doing? Robert said, I'll go. So he goes out there and I said, what happened? He said, well, they've got mushrooms in their hands. Yeah. I said, did you take them from them? <laughs> did I take them from them? <laughs> and Rosalie's kind of, Rosalie was sort of like. <laughs> you know, uh, I was feeling that for a moment. Yeah, yes. Yeah, but, you know, I just figured they're having a good time. And I, I At asked, our expense. And I asked them what they were doing. They said, oh, we're, we're picking morels. I said, oh, really? And then they showed me they had a handful and. Boy, they were beautiful morels. 
but we never really knew they were there. That's true. You know, we've looked before, but <laughs> we never true. have found them. Now, since then, we've gone out in that same area, and we have found them, too. So I'm just thankful that they came over and showed us where they are. <laughs> but You turned that around really good. Well, I appreciate thing, that. Thank well, you. the thing is to not take offense, and... And that's a real gift from God, too, you know, because it's it's so natural, you know, to want what we want and think what is ours is ours. And, you know, uh, people shouldn't ever get in our way or say anything negative to us. But, you know, so many times what people do is we're just sort of collateral damage. We're just in the way of what they're doing. And, you know, they're not out to hurt us or belittle us or anything and even if they are so what so what you know we've got to respond in love and just try to love people through it so that they can come to a place where they can love people through it right in Matthew it says um, I'm telling you to love your enemies let them bring out the best in you not the worst oh amen that's so true Uh you know that um, and by the way, Rosalie is reading from uh, the Bible, The Message, which is the, the Bible we use all the time, you know, uh, by Eugene Peterson was the man who, who translated it and wrote it. And we use it because it's written in the same language that we, we speak and we can understand it very well. You know, but if we allow the evil or the bad or the hurtful things that people do to bring out the best in us, Imagine what the best in them will bring out in us. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. And as it says, in a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Wow. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Pretty heavy. Live towards others the way God lives towards us. And he is so generous, so loving, so gentle, so kind. Well, but also will correct us when well, we're wrong. Think about even what we call the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father, or however you want to call it. It says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're saying, if you say that prayer, or even think along those lines, we're actually asking God, don't, if we don't forgive other people, don't forgive us. Right. Right. You know. Right. And I had a moment with that with my mom. When my mom passed at her funeral, um, my cousin and one of my cousins and one of my aunts jumped all over me because my dad asked that they not come in until we had time <clears throat> um, at the funeral home with the body. And they got all over me about it. And that verse came to my mind. Forgive others as, they, as others have forgiven you. Because I, I surely don't want to hold on to un- unforgiveness. Because it was hard at that moment. I mean, it was hard enough that Mama had passed. And then the way they were treating us was terrible. So um, I'm thankful that God brought that to my mind at that moment. Praise God. You know, that's the, the, the be- one of the beauties of Scripture is that if we will fill ourselves with it, yes. it will come out of us. Yes. 
You know, I've never been really good at being able to memorize addresses, addresses. like saying, well, this is in Philippians 75, verse 39, or something like that, you know, which there aren't that many chapters chapters in Philippians. Anyhow, but, you know, I've never been good at that. I can say what Scripture says. You know, I, I, I believe I know what it says, and, and I really, my goal has been, I got saved reading the Bible. You know, I didn't get saved by a person leading me to God. I got saved by the Word leading me to God. How pure is that? Oh, well, ever, and ever since then, I have just really sought to fill myself with the Word, you know, and uh, I want it to be the beginning, the, the source, the summit, the end of everything. You know, and when I start reading the Bible every day, I always pray, God, let your spirit that's in me commune with your spirit that's in this word. And he fulfills that prayer every day. Isn't he wonderful? So gracious. It it really amazes me. I read a, a chapter, at least one chapter, out of the book of Proverbs every day and I have for probably about five years, I think, every single day. And every single day, I get new things out of the book of Proverbs. It just blows my mind. Mm. You know? And it's if one, it's a living word. It is. You know, it is alive, and it's filled with His Spirit. And, you know, Jesus Himself is called the Word. In, in John 1, it starts out saying, you know, the Word was made flesh. And dwelt in us. Yeah. You know, uh, and and when we see that, you know, and and we live that and experience that, boy, you just want it for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and if everybody or anybody, even if it's just one person, ever gets anything out of these podcasts, a love for the Bible and a hunger and a thirst for God's Word and His presence, that would be more than enough to make it all worthwhile. Amen. I agree. You know, and... Uh, we can, we can, you know, and we've run the gamut of everything from trying to shove the gospel down people's throat. I mean, you know, we've done that. We've tried to do everything. You know, we've tried to be pastors. We've been evangelists. We've done, you know, all of that. Sum it all up. If it just comes down to out of all of our lives together and our lives with Christ, if one person is saved and helped and furthered in their journey with God, that's amazing. That's more than enough. That's more than enough. It is. And out of all those things we've done and or tried to do, the most effective is being ourselves. I mean, I was told that this morning, basically, because wow. we, we were out. We do ministry um, with some of the, uh, what, what would you call them? I don't want to. No. With people. With <laughs> people. A group of men that... Um, are struggling with getting their lives back together. And um, we're there, we do this ministry right where they live. And one of the guys said to me afterward, Robert was busy doing something else and I was sitting out in the front talking with a bunch of the guys and one of them turned and said, um, they are something else. They are so real. And I thought, because it was a funny moment, Robert did something funny. And I helped him be, be funny. But anyhow, um, and, and he said, they're just so natural. 
they, they play off each other so naturally. And I thought, well, thank you, God. That's what I said to him, too. I said, well, that's the Lord. He said, oh, it's obvious. It's obvious that it is. So be in ourselves. Amen. You know, uh, I know that when I first got saved, you know, I didn't know anything really about Christianity or anything, and I was in a church that was very formal and things. And I immediately thought, well, oh, I got to get some training. I need to go, you know, I got to get trained. I, I really immediately felt the call of God to, to spend my life. <laughs> spend, spend my life. Quit playing around with that machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and spend my life, you know, serving him as best I can. And, uh... I immediately thought, well, I got to get trained in everything, and I went to Bible college, and I went to seminary, and I was working in a church, you know, ministering with the pastor uh, for years. I mean, just years I spent following this guy, my, he was a mentor, following him around and learning from him, and, you know, and I thought that's the way you had to do it. You know, and I, I, we were pastors then, you know, we followed this whole formal thing. We got ordained in church, you know, denominations and things, and founded churches, pastored churches, and always thought that's the way it had to be. Yeah, because took classes after classes. Cla after yes, classes. and Rosalie got ordained and, and commissioned as a, as a missionary in one of the largest churches in America, you know, and, and we just thought that's all there was to it. You know, but then we found it's just being ourselves and living out our faith amongst everybody else, you know, that is the most effective thing. And not intimidated by that. I was intimidated about being myself, as you said, because we, we felt we had to do this and that and that. And if we hadn't, well, then we can't, we can't if no, we don't have yeah. enough training. Oh, yeah. And uh, not true. It's not true. No. God... If God touches your life, God has already called you right there to do what you're supposed to do wherever you are. You know, we're called to just be his, his servants in this world and just be awake and aware and ready for whatever he, he calls you to do. Living out your God-centered identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Amen. There you go. You know, and that's that's what we'd like to convey today. Just, just that. Rosalie said it perfectly. I didn't say it. The Bible <laughs> did. <laughs> Got a firm foundation called the Rock of Ages. I'm born of the Spirit and cleansed of sin. The darkness of living light that comes from Him. You see, He is the light, He is the way. Only through faith in His name I we say, Raise up your hands, pray in your tongue, praise the Lord for the gifts that come. Oh
give thanks to the Lord, sing praises to his name, for he is most high, declare in loving kindness in the morning, sing of his faithfulness each night. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth. of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God. The whole earth shows the work of His hand. So give unto the Lord, O oh you mighty one. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord what is due His name. Worship the Lord, all you saints. Yes, I want to love the Lord in you. I want to let Him live in me. I have ears that do not hear. I second chapter of America's Trojan War. Now remember, this is the first book in a five-book series. We're going to read a chapter each week, and we figure, like we said last week, it'll take us about 75 years to get through the entire series. At they're, least. At least. They're all available at uh, Amazon.com. Just go in and put in Dr. Robert Owens in the search line and let it pull my name up, and you can see all my books, and all my books are offered there. So here we go. The second chapter of America's Trojan War. America's Trojan War, Chapter 2, The Sun Also Rises. The last week of Mike's long employment journey flew by. Mike knew he could have filed his Social Security and Medicare online, but he was more comfortable going into the office. He had to wait for them and then come back with more paperwork. It took a few days, but at last everything was set and all that was left were a few more shifts at the armory. Mike had always enjoyed being connected to the Armory. After his time in the Marines, he had spent a few years in the active reserve, then a few more in the inactive, and in a way he missed it. 
being the night watchman at the armory had at least given him a uniform to wear, a reason to carry a gun, and a mission to perform that he could tell himself contributed to the nation's defense. This had been a big part of Mike's life ever since he signed up for the Marines the day after he graduated high school. He had volunteered for Vietnam as soon as he was out of basic, even though he had been posted to Europe. And immediately he found himself in the middle of the Battle of Quezon. Then he volunteered for a second tour and spent 12 months on search and destroy missions in the mountains and valleys of central Vietnam, including two stints in Cambodia. After that, he served as a guard at embassies around the world, rising to the rank of chief gunnery sergeant before he retired at 37. Then he went, came home and found a job at the big Ford plant where his father and grandfather had worked. He had many chances to get promoted off the line, but he stayed in production and worked in the union as floor steward. He always drove Fords and he was grateful for a great place to work that enabled him to build a good life with his children, with his childhood sweetheart, and to raise three great kids. Mike was healthy and happy. He was looking forward to enjoying a long retirement surrounded by family and friends. He was the American dream, a life of peace and security, prosperity and hope. He had fought for it, he had worked for it, and he believed it was his by right and a heritage he could pass on to his children and grandchildren. The Rockville Armory was the home of the 364th Armored Brigade and the 3rd Squadron of the 6th Air Cavalry of the Maryland National Guard. Mike and the two other retired vets guarded the mass, massive 500-acre compound. The facility was built on the grounds of old Fort Benson, which had been there since pre-revolutionary times, when it was established as a strong point in the wars with the Shawnee Indians. After that, it saw duty in both the War of 1812 and the Civil War. It was said General Lee, who had supervised the building of the walls in the 1850s, had detoured around the fort because he knew it was too, strong, too well built. The massive walls were gone now, replaced by a 12-foot chain-link fence topped by razor wire. Night after night, for more than 15 years, Mike had walked guard duty around the perimeter and between the long rolls of silent Apaches, Abram tanks, Humvees, Bradley fighting vehicles, strikers, and 10-ton trucks. Nothing ever happened, and Mike looked at it as almost free money. All he had to do was stay awake. The two other watchmen were both longtime friends. Harold Haverson had been one of Mike's best friends since grade school, and Tom Simpson had moved on Mike's block when he was in high school. Both had been working at the armory for years, and the three of them had a set routine. There were three positions. One man sat in the guard shack at the front gate, which was either warm or cold, depending on the season. One man walked a post inside the building where it was either cold or hot, depending on the time of year. But at least he was out of the weather. The third man walked the perimeter and down the long lines of vehicles and choppers. They rotated positions every two and a half hours, with everyone pulling a final three-hour shift in the last position. Every day they started in different positions, so it always worked out by the end of the week. It was a good job and considered a plumb position among the locals. Not hard work, good pay, and it even provided benefits and a chance to do something for the military. At lunch, they all gathered in the guard shack for half an hour. 
That Friday, Mike's last day, Harold brought in one of his wife's locally famous pineapple upside-down cakes. She regularly won best in show at the county fair. It was Mike's favorite cake, and it had been ever since Beth Haverson was Beth Thomas, and she lived next to Mike growing up. Mike, I can speak for both of us when I say we're going to miss you here on the job, but we're both happy for you, really happy for you, Tom said as he lifted the cup from his thermos in a toast. Tom's right. You'll be missed on these long, cold nights and the hot ones, too. But we're glad to see one of the good guys grabbing the golden ring for once. You and Mary just enjoy yourselves and don't have a second thought about us poor old working stiffs out here doing the heavy lifting, Harold said with the big easy smile that so often lit up his face. A few jokes about fishing and, of course, honeydew lists, and they went back to work. This next to the last shift saw Harold stay in the guard shack, Tom head off to patrol the perimeter, and Mike went inside the cavernous building. Even in early May, it was still cold in the big building in the wee hours of the night. Mike, just like everyone else, usually made a round and then warmed up in the waiting room of the Commandant's office. And just like everyone else, he was reading a book to help him stay awake. Unlike Harold, who read nothing but car magazines, or Tom, who read history, Mike was just settling into a book by one of his favorite authors, Pat Buchanan, The Death of the West. And he was silently cheering as Pat addressed the many problems of unregulated immigration. Mike was pro-immigration. His own great-grandparents had come from Ireland during the potato famine. But he believed people should come in legally and that we should choose the best and the brightest who wanted to become Americans and not people who had no love for America, its traditions, or its people. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And I, we pray you enjoyed it and that you got some little nugget from the program today. Thank you so much. See you again. I don't know when. Whenever you turn <laughs> back in. There you go. Yeah.